Welcome back to We Bought a Mic for our special Tribeca 2021 series of episodes. Today, we have a conversation with the team from a new documentary called The Scars of Ali Balala. I'm Ernest. I am investigative journalism hunter. And you saw this documentary. Yes. And you had a chance to talk to the director. Mm -hmm. Yep. I had a great talk with uh, Max Erickson, the film's director. Um, It was really great. I remember Ali Balala from playing uh, Skate, the video game, uh, way back in the day. Um, But uh, no, it was a great conversation to have with him. Um, Talked a lot about the film, uh, Ali Balala as a person, and kind of there was a tragedy that happened to him in his life uh, where he was in a drunk driving accident. Um, So we kind of talk about that. The film goes into that aspect and what he is like now. Um, in the present day. So All right. very well, good film. I definitely uh, recommend it, especially if you have any kind of background in skating culture. Let's jump to that interview right now. today by Max Erickson, uh, who is here bringing his new film, writer, director, documentarian for The Scars of Ali Balala, um, new documentary premiering at the Tribeca Film Festival. Uh, how are you doing, Max? I'm fine, thank you. It's great to hear. Um, let's get right into it. Uh, Max, this is your feature film debut. What Correct. was it, um, Ali, that drew you to him as a person and his story to choose for your subject matter in your own words? Um, Well, it sort of has to do with how I got to know about him. I mean, I I grew up uh, hanging around in skate culture, street culture. I mean, I was hanging around skate house and graffiti artists and all that. So I knew who Ali, I've never skated myself, but I knew who Ali was because a lot of my friends were skaters in the late 90s. Uh, so I, I knew of him and I knew of the videos, uh, I mean, the flip, sorry, I mean, it's sort of an iconic skate video and, and has become an iconic skate clip. Uh, so I knew about him and then I just sort of forgot about him. And I, when I sort of left the street culture and then a few years later, I remember seeing on the headlines here in Sweden, there were, it said like skate star in death crash, like a typical headline. And I bought the magazine and I read it and I was like, oh, it's, it's Ali. Wow, this is intense. Then I forgot about it again. And then when I started making documentary films, I was shooting a short documentary uh, and we were shooting in the bar. And that bar actually happened to be owned by Ali and his parents. It was called Ali's bar. And in that bar was Ali. Uh, so this entire story and entire film, like all these fragments that I had of him with me when I saw him there just sort of combined and th- this film popped into my head. And I was like, I have to do this somehow. So that's actually the start of how this film was made. And uh, that was close to nine years ago that I walked into a bar and saw him. Yeah, I was curious. I assume that you had some kind of background in uh, skate culture just because I feel like Ali Balala is not as well known as like especially some of the more American 
the Tony Hawks, the Bob Berquist, those guys of the world, except for, unfortunately, people who do know his tragedy. I mean, I, similarly to you, uh, kind of grew up in the skate culture without skating myself, but yeah. I played all the video games, hung out with all the right people. I remember playing as Ali in uh, Skate on PS2 oh, yeah. or PS3 or whatever that was. Um, the, the EA Games game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was the, what was the process like obtaining all the archival footage? I mean, you have a vast, I mean, much of the movie is just archival footage. It's incredible to see it all. What was that process like obtaining that all? Um, it was really tricky, uh, but it was also really rewarding. Um, I, I don't remember the exact percentage. We, we, uh, did the numbers a few weeks ago. I think it's about 60% of the film is archive footage. Uh, and all of it sort of started when I did my research. I found all these clips on YouTube. And then you know, when you start digging around, like who shot what? And then you reach out to all those people. I mean, it's been years where I've been digging through archive and getting in touch with people. And I mean, it is a long time ago. Some of this footage is more than 20 years old. And I mean, it was a different formats back then. So I've been sifting through DV tapes, Betamax tapes, old VHSs. Uh, but it has been really rewarding. And the film would not have become as good as it has become without all the people who helped me out with the uh, footage. So actually, in the, in the start of the film, the credits, when they start rolling, I wanted to, because archive footage always gets stuck in the, um, and the end credits, and I wanted them to be up front. So all over the screen, you get everybody who submitted footage to us right up in, at the start of the film, because I wanted to thank them for, I mean, without them, it wouldn't be the same. Yeah, I, uh, I really appreciated seeing that up front. I mean, I love documentaries, and you just, you never see that. You have to wait until the very end to get that. Um, what about uh, the process for getting all the interviews? Was it just, you kind of went to, Ollie's old crew and said, I'm making a documentary about his life. And they just kind of jumped at the opportunity to talk about their experience with him. Or what was that like? Sort of. Um, I mean, once I got a hold of Ali and we started talking together and when we started making interviews, we actually had a hiatus at the start of the film for a few years. I mean, it was in 2000, <clears throat> 2018 that we, brought it back again and did it for real this time. Uh, so that this time when I talked to him, we, we sat down and like, okay, who should I talk to? So it was through him that I sort of figured out who were the people that I needed to talk to. And I wanted to find people outside of the skate world as well, because I don't want, I didn't want to make one of those films where people just sit around and tell me how amazing he was. Uh, I wanted more stories that, like the, the life on the road, the camaraderie of the skate uh, crews. Um, so it, it was through him and uh, it was, what I found really interesting was the, the people outside of the crews. I mean, the Ewan Bowman for one, uh, who's the, was his, or he worked as a videographer. Uh, I mean, he lived with them without being one of the skaters. So his stories were really interesting. And I mean, Ollie's mom as well, she has some fantastic stories, his little brother as well. Uh, Ali's ex-wife, who was uh, with them when all the when the, uh, the accident happened. So, I mean, the process was ma mainly through Ali, uh, but I have been. I mean, I've been contacted by so many people because people have so many great stories about Ali, and people want to tell me those stories. And I was like, I'd love to hear them, but 
I don't think we can fit more funny stories into the film at this point. <laughs> um, one of the main themes of the film that I thought to be very compelling early on was you established this idea of obsessive people tend to uh, kind of throw themselves towards skateboarding. And of course, obsessive people are also much more naturally inclined to fall into drug and alcohol habits. Um, was yeah. that always uh, the angle that you wanted to take on this story or did that kind of develop while going through the footage? No, that, that, that developed through the, um, uh, through the process of making the film and also mainly through getting to know Ali on a deeper level. Uh, uh, what, stuck, uh, what stood out to me, I mean, the first thing is when you look at skateboarders and what I wanted to do when I got the footage, when you make a skate video, you take that clip of two seconds where they nail the trick and that's it. And then you have another trick and another trick and it's really fast. But I wanted all of those trials and errors before that, where you do it over and over and over and over again. And in that process of finding those clips, I saw a lot of personality shining through and that found I found that really really interesting and he's such a perfectionist uh, and we I actually had a really fun time with him messing messing with him because uh, he needs his he needs everything to be perfect yeah he can't leave his uh, television um, the volume it can it can never be on uneven numbers it has to be 10 15 20 or 25 so if it's 24 he has to change the, the volume so I've been messing with him with, with that kind of stuff. So, so, I mean, those kind of things make it, made it really clear for me that the obsessiveness of him uh, needed to be part of the film and the story. Yeah, I, uh, speaking to that, uh, I had one particular scene written down that it's early on in the documentary, so it's almost kind of funny seeing the obsessive nature come out, but it's whenever he's trying to do a grind and mm -hmm. keeps missing it and then just reaches a point where he just starts smashing the board bit by bit until he just <laughs> has just the truck saying, just walks away, just the truck's yeah. off camera. <laughs> it's an incredible moment. Um, but speaking to that obsessive kind of duality and how those two things intersect, um, one of the things, you do it a couple of times in your film, but there's one uh, particular moment that comes in mind where it's a montage that's intercut between uh, just kind of classic 90s, early 2000s skateboard footage of Ali as a young kid, along with him as a teenager just getting wasted. Um, and I just found that to be just very, very well executed for kind of highlighting that central theme that kind of rings throughout the film. Yeah. I mean, I worked with a fantastic editor uh, named Michael C uh, Mikael C. Carlson. Um, he actually was, uh, uh, formerly, he was a professional skateboarder. So when I reached out to him, he was like, I mean, he said, like, I know Ali since back in the day. Of course, I want to edit this film. So a lot of the montages are from his mind uh, where he weaved in this, what do we, how do we need to tell the story and how do we, please the skateboarding audience. Um, so like to not just show the, the classic clips of Ali. Uh, and I mean, him growing up in this culture as well as a skateboarder, becoming a professional skateboarder, we talked a lot about the alcohol and drug abuse that were everywhere for like 14, 15 year old kids when they started skating. I mean, it was weed everywhere. It was beer everywhere. 
and we we wanted to weave that into the story and not feel like we're pointing fingers like we all did that i mean i hung out in that kind of crew and we we got wasted at that time and i'm you too as well <laughs> i mean yeah. if you grew up in the skate culture i mean you were 15 years old and you kind of like you did all those naughty things but then you stopped but these skateboarders never stopped they just kept going um so that's that's also part of the story that i wanted to point to yeah there's like this real feeling of melancholy kind of watching some of that archival footage because on one hand you put it out there in a very judgment-free way it's like these clips of these kids just being young and carefree and having a good time but on the other hand uh you know where the story is going you can kind of see the spiral happening in real time until it climaxes with the accident yeah um, i mean i did i despite how uh, dark the subject matter can get i did really appreciate how i mean the film ends on a positive note like ali is he's still sober i'm assuming um yeah. going on how many years now oh um damn it has to be I think it's, oh wait, we, we, oh wait, I have to think about it. I, I, I think it's eight years now. Eight years? So it's, it's a long time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, going back to that theme about um, the obsessive personality, I did kind of love how the film concludes where you are tying up this idea of obsessive personality and turning that obsession into sobriety. I found that really poetic um, and beautiful. Were you always trying to keep this film having a more optimistic outlook at the end? No, uh, I'm one of those documentary filmmakers that, I mean, I, I let the story evolve into what it is it wants to or it needs to. Um, but yeah, sure, I mean, we, we wanted the, I, I had a dream ending at the start, uh, but I kind of early on knew that whatever ending I want, I will never get. Uh, I mean, I'm, <laughs> One thing is I'm working with Ali Balala and he gets his way. Um, but no, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I had a feeling early on that I wanted a happy ending. Um, but th that's not reality mm. to me. Uh, I can't fake a happy ending out of it. Uh, I mean, it's not, it's not a bleak ending. Uh, it's an ending that I find true. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this whole film feels just extremely genuine. Um, I know that y'all have other interviews to do, so I just have a couple more questions for you real quick. Um, Go for it. Are there, or were there any specific documentaries, either recent uh, or from years past, or documentary filmmakers that kind of inspired you while you were making this film? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, from the first time uh, I saw Ali, I had just seen uh, Let's Get Lost by Bruce Weber for the first time. And I was like, that's it. Uh, and when, when, when I got in touch with Ali, I showed him and I said, this is the kind of story that I want to tell. And he really liked it as well. So yeah, Bruce Weber's Let's Get Lost has definitely been a huge inspiration for me. Oh yeah, that's that's an incredible choice. I I love that film very much. Um, and uh, is there any advice that you would give to fledging filmmakers, especially documentary filmmakers? 
keep at it. (laughs) That's, that's all I can say. Just never give up. Uh, I mean, I was close to giving, I mean, we almost, we did give up both Ali and me, and then we got back to it. Uh, Never give up. That's the only thing I can say. It will, it might take years. It might take many years. Just keep at it. That's my, that's the only advice I can give anyone. And watch, watch a lot of films. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that's the best advice for uh, documentary filmmaking is it is so much looking through old footage and kind of crafting the story. And I mean, taking the approach, like you said, of letting the story come to you, not putting your own um, ideas onto the story while you're coming up with it in your head. Um, yeah. I mean, to me, there is always this, the process of do- making a documentary film, it's all filtered through you when you shoot it, you tell your photographer how to shoot it, you have an editor with you. So everything is sifted through you and the filter of you. So you will shine through no matter what. You don't have to be so I mean, on it and change it in, in, in a way that you seem fitting. You are there to capture it and it is with your fingerprints all over it when you capture it. So that's sort of, I don't think you have to force your story in, a different, uh, in different directions. Let, let them come to you. Let them evolve. Make, let them have their own life. Yeah, that's well said. Um, I just have one last question for you. Um, I know, of course, this is a documentary, but uh, the podcast that I run, due to the lack of new releases, we've been currently doing a career arc series on the films of Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, off the top of your head, what is your favorite Nicolas Cage performance? Wild at Heart, hands oh, down. Yes. Oh, David Lynch, can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> amazing soundtrack, uh, amazing actors. I mean, to me, Nicolas Cage is, I don't know exactly how to describe him, but I think the better the director, the better Nicolas Cage is. I agree 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. Or I have to... Uh, I have to have an honorable mention, and that is Bad Lieutenant by Werner Herzog as well. Nicolas Cage is really great in that one as well. I'm excited. We're actually covering that this week on the podcast, and I have never seen Bad Lieutenant. I've seen clips from it, but I am very excited to dive into that movie because it looks wild. You're in for a treat. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, Best of luck to your film, and best of luck to you going forward for any future endeavors that you have. Thank you so much. Lovely to be on your podcast. Have a good one. Have a good one. And that was Hunter's conversation with the director from The Scars of Ali Balala, which is in competition documentary category at the 2021 Tribeca Film Festival. I will say, uh, I think that Max gave my favorite answer yet to what's your favorite Nick Cage performance because he said Wild at Heart. And off mic, he said, if it's not wild at heart, I have to go with uh, Bad Lieutenant Port of Call, New Orleans. So, huh? what a guy. Love to see it. Well, we have a review of that movie uh, in the feed right now that you can check out. So check that out and all the other conversations with filmmakers from the Tribeca 2021 Film Festival. Uh, please be sure to rate, review, subscribe to the show. Uh, feel free to email us at webottomike at gmail.com and follow us at webottomike on social media. Uh, you can also visit our website at webottomike.net and stay tuned for more great episodes, more great conversations. 
Thanks for listening. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.